0: Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. everyone welcome to another edition of overcoming your emotional eating. Today's podcast is an interview I did with an amazing woman named Sloan who is a food freedom coach. She's got a lot of wisdom and I was really encouraged by our initial conversation. We think a lot along the same lines and have recognized what it really takes to heal from emotional overeating and the pitfalls and dilemmas that can happen along the way, what's real and what's not real and what's at the core of this thing called emotional eating. It's a fantastic interview. Take a listen to see what you can learn so you could continue to overcome what you had become. And take a look at www.wendyfrancis.com. Not only do you have the podcast there as resources, we've got some books. I do have my End Emotional Eating E3 online course made specifically for clients struggling with overeating. It's an 11-module course. You can couple that with or without individual sessions with me, and we will have a package coming up soon that will do that as well. However, For now, you can get on E3 if you want to do it alone or if you want to have some support or help from me, you can hop on and do a call with me as well. Take a look at those resources so you can continue to overcome. And thank you, as always, for listening.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Overcoming Your Emotional Eating. And as always, I'm I'm super excited to to bring to you all new content, to develop and grow who you are, and to leave behind anything that you had become. Today is no exception to that rule. I am honored and excited to have a young woman named Sloane on. She is a food freedom coach. And she found me on social media. We've had some excellent conversations. She's got a lot of wisdom for somebody that is younger and i I say that with due respect because i i have an adolescent who i feel like is wise beyond her years and and my son is as well so i have utmost respect regardless of age but it led us to this really long conversation that i wanted to bring on to the podcast because i feel like it's really beneficial i am of the age where I'm coming into my age, which I cannot say my age, but (laughs) I am moving into my 50s. Even though I don't feel that way, I am there. And I've recognized in my professional arena, although early in my career, I worked a lot with teenagers and young adult women. At this point, I'm, I'm working more with women in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And I think professionally, it's been recognized that many women and men in this age group struggle with emotional eating. But in talking with Sloan, I'm now recognizing that there is some people in a younger generation that I haven't really been opened up to that are as well struggling with emotional eating. So Sloan, I'm so glad to have you on today to, to share some of your wisdom with us around your food freedom coaching and to also, you know, kind of bring to light this really, I guess, newer insight from what the research really dictates.
2: Mm, Yeah. Well, thank you, Wendy, for that beautiful introduction and for having me. I'm so excited to bring this conversation to your audience and to dive into it a bit together. So I'm really excited and I'm grateful for you as well. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I look at the statistics, you know, from my podcast and then when we look at it kind of research, it's been noted so often and when you look at things like binge eating disorder, compulsive overeating, or or even if we move into the eating disorder genre, a lot of people think that the you know anorexia and bulimia are for the younger crew, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And then emotional overeating and compulsive overeating are, are more for the older crew. What do you see?
2: Yeah, I honestly don't see that. It's funny with the clients who come to me, and maybe it's just the people that I'm attracting, I would say majority are in a space of overeating or binge eating or just obsessively thinking about food. So there is some restriction there, perhaps more mental restriction. And the reason why they might be using food to cope with emotions you know, perhaps different from someone who's in their 50s who maybe is a mom who's stressed about the kids and that's why she's emotionally eating. But I do see that no matter if I'm working with a 20-year-old or a 55-year-old, the root of the lack of emotional coping, we could say, is kind of the same. And so although the reason for the emotions and the stress might be different, whether it's school versus work or dating versus marriage, The root of it, I find, really comes down to the same thing.
1: Which makes total sense. You know, when I was in private practice and running groups and kind of had my feet on the ground, so to speak, in my office, you know, we used to compile these groups together to run. And we didn't subset it based on age. And it was always Mm -hmm. so interesting that, you know, the the 40-year-old with anorexia would kind of look at the 16-year-old with anorexia, you know, or the 50-year-old with compulsive eroding would look at the 20-year-old. And it was such an interesting nuance for them to get a sense of the fact that, like, this can go across all age parameters, not, not mm-hmm. all 15-year-olds have anorexia, and mm-hmm. 50-year-olds can have it too. So it, it goes mm-hmm. both ways.
2: Completely. I could not agree more. And I think that no matter where you are in your journey, if you're able to get support and help pursue healing your relationship with food, then that is a gift in and of itself, no matter what what age or what time you are in in their life. And it is something that so many women, unfortunately, can relate to. And, you know, that's why I think running groups like you've done or groups that I've run is so powerful because being in community to heal really shows you that you're totally not alone. And I also love speaking on podcast for that reason to show people, okay, you know, we understand we've been in your shoes or we've seen so many people that are in your shoes. You're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. This isn't weird. Unfortunately, I wish it was. And that is totally possible to get to a space where you feel amazing with your relationship with food and body.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I I love that you phrase it like that. It's a phrase that I use, too. And I think, you know, I first started in the field 30 years ago, which is scary. (laughs) (laughs) But when I used to talk about people's relationship with food, I'd be looked at like I had 20 heads. But, you know, you, you hear it now more and more. And the reality is, you know, we have a relationship with food. And when we don't have the emotional construct or the emotional integrity like you were talking about, you know, why a 20-year-old might overeat, versus why a 50-year-old might overeat. It's the same underlying piece, you know. What do we do with our emotions?
2: Mm, totally, yeah. And I think sometimes I feel like it's so simple, and sometimes I feel like it's so complex because there's the actual emotions that you're feeling and why you're feeling those things, and then there's the coping. And that's where the food comes in. Like, okay, why aren't you coping with the stress in a more productive way? Or why is food the chosen coping mechanism for you? And that's where I think the roots are very similar. Whether it's that you were just taught from a young age to self-food with food, or perhaps you were told that being sensitive and expressing your emotions wasn't good. And so instead of expressing those emotions, you keep them hidden and then you numb out with food or perhaps it didn't feel safe to share emotions or it didn't feel safe to be stressed because somebody else was more stressed than you were. And so if you were expressing your stress and anxiety, then you weren't contributing to, you know, helping that other person. And so I feel like those different barriers, the blockages, the self-limiting, Beliefs around why not to cope with the emotions comes back to very similar roots around safety, around control, and around self worth.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely, which which you know happens to can happen at any age, so to speak, or mm-hmm. or evolve, or develop, or be there realistically, right? Take root when someone's younger and just yeah. continues to kind of. Move forward as the person gets older, but those underlying premises reign true at any age, realistically. Yeah.
2: And I'm curious for you, Wendy, when working with women or men who are, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, because I ask all of my new clients this question, like, why now, right? Whether you're 20 and you've been struggling for five years, or you're 40 and you've been struggling for two decades, like, why now? And I'm curious what kind of answer you get from that or why you think people heal at different times in their lives?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Sloan. Here's what I think and I've heard. Well, I believe, I absolutely know this to be true, that emotional eating hasn't really been looked at, tended to, or helped, supported in any way. I think You know, when I first started in the profession, there was a really big push and launch to even get people to understand anorexia and bulimia. That was like Mm -hmm. the time when we were out there in the community, batting down doors saying, oh my gosh, there's this thing called anorexia because it wasn't a staple in the household. People hadn't heard of it really. And what they heard of was the extreme case, you know, the 60 pound girl that passes away they hadn't nice. heard about kind of the myriad, right, of bulimorexia and now orthorexia. They hadn't heard of all those myriads. So I believe that now, you know, there's just starting in the last few years, if that, this term that we know as emotional overeating. And so I think part of it is that there's been a lot of people kind of hiding, not, not knowing. They knew there was something wrong. They didn't know what it was and they didn't know how to get help and they didn't know where to turn especially for for women my age who don't access social media as much that's where you start to see a lot of things kind of take root now and take flight which not on TikTok or even Insta you know like it's just not a genre for us so and it's not talked about on LinkedIn I'm going to tell you that right so so
2: yeah.
1: i think a lot of women You know, my age, 40s, 50s and 60s, they knew there was a problem. They didn't like how they ate. They felt uncomfortable, unhappy, dissatisfied, some depressed, you know, lonely, sad, isolated. But they didn't know what to do about it. That's what I've heard from a lot of people. I didn't even realize this was a thing.
2: Mm, Yes. And honestly, I hear the same thing no matter the age. And I couldn't agree with you more, Wendy, that it's something that isn't talked about. There's a lot of shame and maybe even a degree of normalcy. People think, Mm -hmm. oh, well, all of my friends are on a diet or all of my friends, you know, we binge together. So I didn't think that there was anything wrong. I didn't think it was a problem or I didn't think anyone else did it. So I didn't know where to turn. And so I'm so grateful that all of the nuances are being talked about more and different types of support are being offered because I think that there is something for everybody. And I truly believe, and I'm sure you believe the same, that like having a beautiful relationship with food, having food freedom, eating intuitively is your birthday. I think that it is possible and meant for every single person. And it makes me sad when people say, Oh no, I. Just could never have ice cream in the house without binging. Like, that's just not possible for me. And although it might feel impossible now, I can pretty much promise that it is possible. It is a possible reality. It is a reality that is meant for you. You just have to find your way to the healing that will align and work for you the best. Yeah,
1: I totally agree. And I I think that the reality is we don't recognize how impactful it is on a woman or a man's soul and psyche to not be able to trust themselves with food in their own home. Like, to not trust yourself is such a core wound, and I don't think we recognize that. We're taught to not trust ourselves. We're taught to not trust what we do and to look to other people for maybe validation. The problem is nobody's going to do that when it comes to the shameful act. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the reality is, is that not being able to trust yourself with icing or chips or, or whatever it is, is really a terrible feeling. And I don't think mm-hmm. that people recognize how bad that feels until they start to let go of the shame and they can start to learn to understand that they need to trust themselves in order mm-hmm. to really feel safe in their own skin.
2: Yeah, I love that. Safety is such an essential route. And that's why I love when people start their food freedom healing journey and they realize, oh, this is never about food because it's not about food. The food is the Band-Aid. The food is the coping mechanism. And ultimately, what we're actually healing are those subconscious wounds, the inner child wounds, et cetera. And when it comes to trusting your body, trusting yourself, that's where I personally pull from spirituality and manifestation to bring in the intuition on a deeper soul level. Or you can think of your higher self and think, okay, if my higher self, the best version of me, the version of me who is like this goddess, glowing, healthy person, human being, if she had the ice cream, what would she do? And starting to embody that higher version of yourself, starting to have a conversation with your intuition as well as opening up the conversation with your body is a beautiful way to begin trusting because I think a lot of people don't trust their brain and they don't trust their mind. They don't trust their thoughts. So then we say, okay, well, if you don't trust your mind, could you trust your intuition? Could you trust your body? Because there are so many other like the energetic access that are giving us cues regarding what to eat, how much, when, etc., and we're trained, as you said, to be very analytical, to be very focused on external validation, information, logic, and then it totally mutes our own divine internal knowing. And when you open yourself up to those other spheres and channels, you get a lot more information. Yeah. Well,
1: I love that you say that you use a word called intuition. And, and years ago, there was a book called Intuitive Eating that was mm-hmm. written. And I'm curious in kind of like how you wove intuition into what you were just saying. I'm curious to what your thoughts are on, on intuitive eating, because I've worked with many women, again, more my age genre, because that was a big book in the 90s. So many people were kind of promoting with clients Mm so i'm curious as to what you've heard around that approach and how you find like the pros and the cons and and have you found that to work in following a framework like that
2: i love this question It's something i'm really passionate about actually and i think the idea is a fantastic one however In reality, I find that just following that book and the principles of intuitive eating doesn't work. And I've had so many women come to me and say, I've tried intuitive eating, I followed the 10 steps, didn't work. Intuitive eating isn't for me. That's why I created my own method that I named eating with love and intuition because there are differences. And I find that if you are someone that's coming from a dieting background where there are rules and then you just go to principles, like, I understand that principles is a different word, but it kind of just feels the same. Like, okay, I'm just going to do these 10 steps and check it off and then I'll be an intuitive eater. Well, what happens if you're following eight out of the 10 principles one day? Are you just not an intuitive eater that day? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. It's a little bit too surface level. And unfortunately, you know, this is not the intention with that method, but unfortunately people see it as a diet. They say, oh, I'm trying intuitive eating just like I tried paleo. And that's not what it's about because it was never about the food. The reason why you're not eating intuitively isn't about the food. So if we just give you an approach that's focused on the food, nothing's really going to change. And that's why the foundation, everything that I do is around healing. Healing your relationship with food When you're healing your relationship with food, like what's the end result, you're going to be even with love and intuition. Mm -hmm. We mentioned the intuition piece is spiritual for me. It's not necessarily about crystals and tarot and astrology, although I love those things, but it's more about the fact that we are all spirits. We are Mm -hmm. all souls having a human experience and your intuition is just, part of you. Everybody has one. It's just your gut knowing. It's your own internal compass. It's knowledge that you have that didn't come from a book. You just know. And that intuition can be used to help you decide literally everything in life, including what to eat, when, etc. And so it bothers me when people just throw around the term intuitive eating and they don't actually talk about what your intuition is on that soul deep level because then it just kind of ends up feeling flimsy and hollow and surface level. And there's so much potential for deep self-love, self-acceptance, self-respect. And that's what my goal is for all of my clients when helping them heal and then, you know, learning how to eat with love and intuition. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's great. And that's very much how I feel. Although I was a big proponent of intuitive eating when it first came out, as I started to read the book, And as I started to kind of, you know, work with clients with it, when it first came out, I started to recognize, you know, eating what you want when you want it doesn't work, at least at first, because so many people are so wounded, they don't have a healthy relationship with food. So then you're telling them to eat what they want when they want it, that's out of an unhealthy space. So then they're like, oh, well, I can have cake. And they on the whole cake because the two authors said I could because I'm eating what I want when I want it. They're not really tapping into their intuition. They're not really listening to their body. They don't even know how to do that. So I, I, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with you because I do. I love the premise and I love where the authors were going. I just think that. And it became a big space for a while of what Mm -hmm. people were trying to do because it was the start of the anti-diet culture, realistically. Mm -hmm. I mean, it created a whole new framework, which I love, but it didn't really enable people to get the whole sense of intuitive eating. I think that it just had kind of, yeah, that surface premise to it. So for those people that have tried intuitive eating and have quote-unquote failed, their words, not mine, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of change around that well i tried dieting and that didn't work and then i tried intuitive eating which is supposed to be anti-diet and that didn't work so what do i do
2: yeah and that's so discouraging and especially if you're starting with you know throw out all the rules eat whatever whenever Mm -hmm. there's likely going to be overeating there's going to be binging there's going to be this sense of feeling out of control and for some people who expect that And they want to do it that way. I hear people calling me this is called like all in, in the recovery space. Then for some people, it works. They have this period where they're just eating whatever, whenever. And it's overeating and they feel kind of all over the place. But then they end up settling. And if that works for you, beautiful. But for a lot a lot of women i see them try that and then they freak out because they're like i'm (laughs) overeating i'm binging and this is even worse so then they backtrack and so it can work for some people but there's a hump to get over and so that's why i feel like you know taking action to say eat this doesn't Work because your action, your behavior stems from your subconscious belief. So for me, it's all about looking at the subconscious roots first, then looking at the conscious thoughts and feelings, and then looking at the action that you take from those thoughts and feelings. And that's what happens when you're overeating or you're emotional eating. You feel these emotions and then you eat. Okay. So if we just say, well, don't eat, you're not addressing the root, the emotions of why you're even taking that action in the first place. So if you're starting your intuitive eating food freedom healing journey with action you're probably not going to get very far agree
1: totally agree in fact i tell my clients all the time and, and even when working with a very very sick eating disorder client i always told parents clients spouses you know the thing the first thing to change actually is in the mind first thing is not to change the action or, you know, when you're working with a girl who has anorexia who's trying to recover. Like, I'm not trying to change her weight yet for the individual yeah. who is an overeater that may be overweight. Don't try and change your weight yet. Like, we've got to work on the inside first. I have learned with overeating, you you can combine it a little bit more because there's a little bit less food. Like I've worked with a lot of clients that can lose weight and work with me too, like can change yeah. their food and heal their relationship, which is a little bit different than anorexia because there's a lot more food fear. Yeah. But in any case, I, I think the reality is, is, yeah, you can't jump into action first. You have to be able to understand your relationship with food, understand your relationship with yourself, and then recognize your path. And how to heal that, and then integrate the actions into experimentation in order to understand mm-hmm. what that path is about. Love it.
2: Yeah, this yeah. is going to be life changing for so many people. I hope they're listening to this because this is the goal. This is the key right here.
1: It is the key. It is the key. And and here's what I love, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it full circle. What I love is the fact that. You know, you're on one end of the spectrum, although I remember being your age, and sometimes I still feel that way, and (laughs) on the other end of the spectrum more in midlife, and the beauty in all of this is that, you know, this is the the real path, so to speak, to health and to healing and to finding Mm. that food freedom, and you get it, and I get it, and we're different ages, and we live in different parts of the country. And in that, you
2: I know, know it to be true sex, right? Totally. Oh, yes. And I believe that, you know, there are not too many absolute truths in the world or in the universe, but one truth that I always come back to is that love over fear and everything that, that we've spoken about with, you know, eating what you actually want and healing first and coming to the root of self love and self worth is just all
1: rooted in love absolutely love is everything right and that will yeah. heal anything if you just come at yourself with love at compassion instead of mm-hmm. other things realistically you can heal yourselves we can realistically heal a whole lot of things with love and that's why i love having you on sloan how could my listeners find you if they want to find you
2: yeah So I am on the social media, so Instagram is the main place that I post, and my account is called Sloan Elizabeth. Um, I also have a new podcast launching, which is the Sloan Elizabeth Show, and then if you would like to have a conversation and have a complimentary consultation, discuss what it would look like to work together, then I can drop the link for you. And you can also find that on my website or on my Instagram.
1: Perfect. Yeah, we'll put the link in the snippet that goes with this podcast. So you all will be able to have access to that link. And I'll post that on my social media as well when we drop this loan. Thank you so much for for coming on with me. And as always, thank you all so much for listening, learning, and continue to grow and heal your relationship with yourself so that you can let go of what you had become and you can move into, as Sloan says, and I say as well, healing that relationship with food. Thank you so much for joining me, Sloan. And thank you all for listening.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.